0: I think God deserves our worship, and I think that's something that's missing from our lives often. Um, it's try- something literally I've been trying since I got back in town this week to be more conscious of. Is am I filling my life with praise? Like, am I keeping God in front of me? And um, I don't know about you, um, I, I had a conference I had to go to. I flew out right after church last week and got back Thursday, and, I, and I'm trying to come back with a different mindset. Anybody else ever say, okay, I got to reset? And then when you reset, you realize that reset doesn't happen just because you want to change your mind. You actually got to change some behaviors to help change your mind. You got to get some things in practice and some things in place that will actually make that possible. And so one of the things that I'm I'm very bad at is I normally ride in silence. If I'm not on the phone, I'm in silence. Anybody else do this? All right. Okay. And, And I used to think, okay, this is my quiet time. But what I've learned is it's never silent. My mind does not stop that even though there's silence in the atmosphere, the mind's still speaking. How many of you learned that? And and sometimes in silence, the mind gets abusive. I mean, it'll point out the things. And so what I'm trying to do, and you can literally, you can ask my wife this to be true. I I don't play music. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm really trying to fill that void with a podcast or songs and not podcasts of anything else but Jesus Christ. And so I've been listening. I, I mean, on my way to church this morning, I listened to three different sermons. You know, uh, if you know anything about me and you're around me long, I can't listen in real time. So if I'm watching a YouTube video and, you know, I don't know if y'all know this, there's a little gear in the bottom that you can actually change the speed of a video. I can't watch it on one. It drives me nuts. I have to double it. And so when I'm listening to a podcast, if you're in the car with me, you'll realize that it's it's it sounds like the Micro Machine Man. How many of you are old enough to remember that guy, right? Like those commercials where he goes so fast and that's how I listen. That's how my mind processes and I grab it. And so I'm able to squeeze like three minutes ser- into a 25 minute drive, like we could get going. And of course, I, I never finished the third one if you do the math, right? So, um, but anyway, what I'm saying is like, I've noticed there's some things in me that need to change. And, and I think in our lives, when we get to a place where we feel like we don't need to change, we are in trouble, all right? Like there's always something in me that could be stronger and better. There's always something in me that's weak that needs work and attention. There's sometimes things in me that need to go. Right? Anybody have those things that you recognize every now and then, and you're like, you know what? We need to serve an eviction notice, and, and unlike a 30-day process, we need to say, hey, you got to pack your bags and get out of my mind now. Like, you got to get out of my life now. You can't stay here. And so today, we're going to talk about something that, if you're not careful, you'll tune me out. All right? Right off the bat. Last week, we started talking about the end times and looking at signs of the times and very difficult message. I'll be honest with you. It was so free in that first service to preach it. Second service felt like a war. My body went through cramps. Ross even came up to me after and said, "Brother, I felt that too, you know? And so there was a heaviness, an impression. And I don't know what that was. I don't know the battle somebody was fighting, but I do know this. Nobody wants to think about that Jesus is coming and nobody wants to look at the world and say that we may be in the day and age where that's actually becoming more and more possible. You know, um, yesterday I was talking to Garrett, y'all got to, y'all got to stop letting Garrett talk to me before a sermon, right? Like, so we were talking this morning in our prayer time and we were, we were sharing we We're Bill Maher, and I'm going to actually throw out the name, who has oddly been a little bit more conservative in the past year, actually came out about our new speaker of the house, um, which by God's grace, can we pray for the man? I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, but can we not support somebody who stands in front of an entire Congress and says that he takes his values and structures from the word of God, you know, and, and what a boldness there. And, And and as he stood that, Bill Maher came out and said that this guy has a mental illness. And his mental illness is he hears voices and he takes his authority from a scripture that's written by a spirit. And I look at that and I think to myself, okay, here we go. We're starting to set the dialogue of that Christians are crazy, right? Now, I know a lot of Christians and I'll have to agree with that, (laughs) right? We, We can be, you know, but sometimes it's good to be crazy about something, you know, like, I, I, I don't know about you, but some of you in here are crazy about fishing. And I'm not crazy about fishing. I like to do it. You won't take me, but I like to do it. Um, but I'm crazy about eating some fish. Anybody say yes to that? I mean, even Jesus has a good fishing story. Right? Like, he gets in the boat, said, let's go deeper, right? Let's get out there. Right, so I mean, some of us are crazy about sports and some of us are crazy about other things. Man, hey, get crazy about Jesus and that's okay. You haven't lost your mind. You just got a heavenly mind instead of a worldly mind and that's the mind you need to have, all right? And so um, the problem is, is after he said that this guy's hearing voices, he compared him to the main mass shooter. Uh, the, the, he, he said that this guy is as crazy as the guy that just took 18 lives in Maine. So I, I'm saying that to say this, church, be ready for the dialogue to start switching on what Christianity is. Um, To be ready for those comparisons to start happening. Be ready for manifestos of people who are living under the influence of evil that carry out evil acts like we just saw happen in that mass shooting. And God help us, let's pray for the families and people affected. But be watching for them to start pointing up that God told them to do this. Um, the, the, the regulation against Christianity has to prove that Christianity is a problem. And so we're seeing these dialogues take place, right? And so you're thinking, okay, here we go. We're gonna go after the world. No, here we go. We're gonna go after our own pride and ego. Because I think as this happens, Christians have got to understand, you know, the Bible says that Jesus was truth and grace, right? Like he, he was both. He was truth and he was grace. And I, I'm, that's not going to be our text. Our text is going to be in Philippians too. But it, in this, it, it talks about how where Jesus went, he represented the truth. And, and by the way, write this down. The truth is non-negotiable, all right? Meaning the truth doesn't change. It is the truth. I had a college professor and advisors once say, the truth is the truth is the truth. And then he gave us this quote, ready, write it down. The truth never fears a challenge. If you're living in the truth, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry on the day of judgment because you've lived in God's accordance to his word. You don't have to worry about whether the people say, you don't have to worry about a rumor. You don't have to worry about somebody going through society trying to tear you down. If you're living in the truth, the truth always prevails. Even if somebody doesn't believe the truth, it cannot change the truth. You can deny God's word, but it still rules and reigns forever. You can deny God's son, but he still is king of kings and Lord of lords. You can deny there's a heaven and a hell, but one day you'll wake up and realize that they both were realities and hopefully you realize that reality in heaven, not that reality in hell. You can deny it just because you deny the truth doesn't change the truth. Does that make sense? And so I hear some people that are all about, let's preach God's law. Law, 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 law. Now listen, should we obey God's standards? Absolutely. There's over a thousand promises in the Bible. You need to write this down, okay? It's not my own. Um, I'm actually gonna quote the guy. I'm gonna give the name and some of you will die of shell shock. Rick Warren, all right, ready? He once said, a thousand promises in the Bible, every one of them come with a premise. In other words, God promises what he will do, but the premise is the truth you must live. And if I want this, I get this. So let's be honest. Um, the Bible does who straight up tell us that sex outside of marriage is wrong. You say, well, I want a blessed relationship. Sex outside of marriage, got to get it going. You need to get it out. You say, well, I, I, I don't know if I believe that. Now, I can't stand here and say that I lived that truth. But what I can stand here and say is I wish I had. Anybody else say yes to that? How many of you had broken hearts because of that? Have messed up minds, confused relationships because of that? Absolutely. You say, well, that's a well, hey, let's be honest with you. If some of you are living in adultery right now, best thing you can do, break that off, get that out, and get repaired. Get honest and open. Yeah. But you know, that truth will bring to restoration. Matter of fact, our verse of the day in the men's group that DJ posted just yesterday, I think it was, was, hey, somebody that confesses a sin can receive what? Restoration and mercy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring this out, but somebody that conceals it is going to have some devastation. You say, well, I don't like that truth. I don't, I, I, I can't say this. I, 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 any nicer than this, right? Listen, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's the truth, right. right? Truth is, if you drive in America, you need to be on the right side of the road. Now, you don't think we have to tell people that, but let's say that again. If you drive in America, you need to be on the right side of the road. What they didn't tell you, if you drive slow in America, you need to be far right. No, I'm just kidding. All right, <laughs> anybody say amen to that? Like, get out of my way, all right? Here's the thing, you go, to, you go to another country, that might be a different truth. And you're like, but my truth, because I'm American, is this side. Your truth in another nation is a head-on collision. Your truth is devastating. All right, so write this down. It can't be my truth, it has to be God's truth. Because at the end, if I stand in God's truth, then I'm standing in total truth. As a matter of fact, if I'm standing in God's truth, I'm standing in Jesus. I'm living out his attributes. Matter of fact, if you've got a Bible that has headings in it, you'll actually see Philippians 2 with the heading, the attributes of Jesus. And it's talking about, hey, this is who he is. And then he gives this command, as you have seen me do, do. Paul even writes that. The things you've heard me teach, the things you've seen me do, those are the things to practice. You cannot say that to your children. You cannot say that to your family. You cannot say that to anybody unless you're walking in God's truth. All right, but I'm gonna tell you the number one enemy of living out God's truth is your pride and ego. My pride and ego, right? So understand this. Not only was God truth, where Jesus came in and said, This is the way you should live, he was also grace, which is another word for love, right? Uh, and, And so I've heard it said this way. I wish it was my own. If we're all truth and no love, we're abusive. If we're all love and no truth, we're exclusive. We make excuses for everything. We, we, it's okay, live any way you want to. Oh, God loves everybody, there's mercy and the grace. No, listen, I, I want you to understand this. God does have mercy, God does have grace, God does have love and forgiveness for everybody, but there are consequences to going against this truth. There are consequences to sin. How many of you could stand right now and give a testimony of the consequences you've gone through in your life? Me right? Like we could totally do that. So there's consequences to it. So you got you got two extremes in Christianity right now. We're either all truth and we're just going to beat you up all the time. And we're not going to give you any love, grace, and mercy, which Colossians requires, Philippians requires. And the Bible says, make room for one another's fault, be tenderhearted, give forgiveness, Ephesians, all these verses come out and say, we've got to do that and give that. So if we're all truth and no love, we're an abusive person. If you've got it, say, got it. All right, so what I gotta do is I've gotta take God's truth and God's method, which is love. Love him, love your neighbor as yourself. If I love my neighbor as myself, then I realize I make mistakes, I am not perfect, and that on the inside of me is a world that exists that very rarely do people see on the outside of me. And in my mind, sometimes I can be, yes, life is good, and sometimes I can be, woe is me, right? Like, there's a lot that goes on in here. So understand this, like, I need to realize that if I love my neighbor as myself, I got to give grace to them that I need. Mercy to them that I need. So I take the truth of God and say, this is how God says to live. And the love of God says, you're not living that way, but you can. It can change. Now, here's the one thing that I'm praying over the church of God in America is that we realize that the love of God has conquered our sin. The love of God has covered our sin, freed us of sin washed us from sin and given us a purpose beyond it. But I've got to also realize that we got to wake the church up and say, hey, we can't live like the world and expect God's power to move. We can't live like the world and expect God's presence to be here. We can't be all about me and expect to have friends. We can't be all about me and expect our marriages to last. We can't be all about me and expect our kids to grow up loving the Lord. We just cannot do it. And so what we gotta do is say, hey, God's love will cover this, but I'm gonna be honest with you. It's a whole lot better to know the love of God before the sin than to have to go through the love of God through the sin, right? So I know God's love and God loves me, so I'm not gonna do this. I know my wife loves me, so now I need to have a mindset of certain decisions, certain things I say and do, I won't do because she loves me. Does that make sense? Because I love her. Now understand this. If I'm thinking that way first, then you're not stupid. You don't do stupid things, say stupid things, act stupid ways. If you don't think about love first, then what happens? You become about me. I mean, I want you to ask yourself this question. How many people have sacrificed greatly to get you to where you are today? How many people have poured into you? You know, one day I plan on having a, kid, a, a, a talk with our kids on how little their mom got to sleep while they were babies. <laughs> you know, like you're gonna respect her because that woman gave up every night for you. I mean, she, she went through all this. You say, you've already got it planned. You better believe it. I got it scripted, right? Like, but here's the thing. If I'm all like, can you, you know, you have no idea what we've done for you. That's all truth. But without love, it's saying, but you were worth it. We'd do it all over again. You know, I once heard a, a preacher say um, that he gets beside his kids' beds and he says, if I could pick any boy out of the world, I would pick you. And I thought, what a powerful statement. And so every now and then I'll get beside their beds and I borrow it. You know, um, it, 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 we call it R&D in real estate. You wanna, here it is, ready? Rip it off and duplicate, right? So quote it. Somebody else is doing it and it's working, take it, quote it, give them credit, and duplicate it, right? So it's like this. If you see a marriage that's successful, get with them. What are you doing? What are you doing? hey, Howard, Sandy, how do you do this? Rip off and duplicate, all right? How many of you got it? Say, got it. Now, don't put it out there as if it's your own because that's plagiarism. Does that make sense? Don't go write a book on what Howard and Sandy told you and take credit for it. That's sin. You got it? All right, now, here it is. But I can say, okay, look, this is what they're doing. You know what? That's what Paul wrote Philippians about. He's saying, this is what Jesus did, rip off and duplicate. This is how he was, take it and use it. So I have got to get into this mindset where I allow God's truth to be everything. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Think about that terminology. It shows me the step I need to take while showing me the direction I need to go. So God's word, his truth, is the guide to our lives. But understand his grace is the protection of it. So we got to have that love. So let's, let's go into this. Now, read this with me in verse number one. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Can anybody answer that in the room today? Is, is belonging to Jesus good news to you? Yeah. yeah. Is there encouragement in knowing that you don't belong in the family, but you're in there? Uh, that you did everything you, you did and I did to deserve to go to hell, but we don't have to. Is there encouragement by, by knowing that yesterday is yesterday and today's brand new? That God's mercy renews every single morning. How many of you are thankful for that? Anybody wanna forget your Saturday? Anybody wanna forget your car ride with your family on the way to church this morning? Let's not go, let's not point, let's not do, but that's the, it's true. Is there any comfort from his love? Somebody answer that. Yeah, absolutely. Any fellowship together in the spirit? That's where we see a lack today. I mean, I, can I tell you this right now? You go to a football stadium and there is fellowship of a spirit. Now, now, I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm not saying it's demonic or anything like that, but people get in there and they have an enthusiasm and everybody starts cheering together, screaming together, acting like lunatics, right? It's amazing to me that you'll rip off your shirt in less than 20 degree weather, paint your chest, jump up and down. in In the NFL, you'll see them wearing cheese heads and horn heads and all these other things. And you will scream with your nostrils being frozen shut and icicles hanging from your beard. Yet you call me crazy and fanatical for loving Jesus. I ain't up here in the freezing cold. Well, it is kind of cold, but I ain't up here in the freezing cold. Like, you know, shirt off. Y'all would freak out if I did that. <laughs> All right, if I had my shirt off and painted it solid black with a red cross on it and be like, woo! <laughs> oh my. But you get in an auditorium full of people that like the person on the stage singing and they'll go nuts. I mean, I went to a concert where somebody literally stood for three hours holding up a sign. Where's Jordan? Am I right? Three hours holding up a sign just so the person would be like, And then they were like, yeah. I'm like, you idiot. You know, it's like, my arms are dead. I don't have that dedication. You know, it's like, I'll stand for the song. I'll sway with my wife. And then I'm like, I got to sit down. You know, like, give me a break. But I mean, we'll go nuts. You know what that is? That's a spirit. It's a, it's, you get caught in an atmosphere. Would you agree? Say yes or no. You know, what I'm waiting for is the fellowship of the spirit. We almost saw that break out in worship today. You know, y'all, y'all got a little bit, hmm. Non-religious, some of you. I heard some of you shout, I saw some of you dancing, and heaven forbid you sang. You know what I mean? I heard somebody completely off key in that audience, but they did not care. Alright, and that's why they're there, and not up here, but that's okay. There was there was some noise and it was joyful, and you know what God says? It's good. You know what happens? You get in a mindset about Christ, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, Hey, bro, I'm here. I see you over there. I'm in you too. And God makes himself known through us, fellowship in the spirit. We need to see more people when we get together with God's people with a let's go mentality instead of a look at me. You know, and and I'm telling you, I I don't know about you, but like I couldn't stop singing this morning. Which, by the way, I mean, thank God for musicians that don't even have the music. Music. And we're saying, let's sing like 10 more songs. You know, Glenda, are you in C, let's go. And the next thing you know, it's like they practice the song. How cool is that? You know what happens? The Holy Spirit does not put out bad. Yeah. When he makes himself known, it draws people in. You know what happens in here? I'm gonna give you this. that You got a musicians over here and musicians over here who practice what God has given them as ability. They put things in. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit takes off in a direction, and they're able to go because they have equipped themselves with that ability. I'm going to tell you this right now. Stop asking the Holy Spirit to use your life until you give him the fuel. And let the word of God come in and know that if the fuel is in there, before you know it, you're in the middle of a hospital proclaiming Jesus because the devotions and the time with God that you've been doing for the last month. You know what I learned coming to church today? My attitude walking in is totally different because I had church on the way to church and it changes who I am. And I get up ready to preach, ready to go, ready to share Jesus. Why? Because in the meantime of waiting for the stage, you're letting God... I'm muted. All right, there we go. Y'all couldn't even tell, could you? They could online because it totally disappears. All right, here it is. I understand this. I, I, I love the fact that the more and more I'm around y'all, the more and more I see some of you coming alive. And, and, it, and it, you know what it happens? It becomes the encouragement for belonging to Christ. It becomes the comfort of his love to know that I'm united with other people who have his spirit too. Amen. All right, now let's keep reading. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Uh-oh. There's where it, tender, what's that mean? That means I'm, 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 I'm literally open. Meaning I, I'm literally open to the needs of other people. I'm aware. I'm looking for a hurting person today. And not just that I'm looking for it. I feel it. Like I, I grieve it. I recently had something in, in my business where a family, that no fault of our own, was going to get hurt. Not my client, nothing to do with it, but you can tell my wife for like three days now, two to three days now, I've been heartbroken and and, and literally am firing a client because of how they're treating another person. I, I will say this, there's no listing in the world as important to me or important enough to me that I will allow you to be abusive towards somebody else just to make money off you. And so tomorrow there's a contract going out that says, I'm firing myself from your listing. Now, if you're an agent here and you want it, Godspeed. I'll give you the address. You can take it. But I'm gonna tell you this right now. You just made a family homeless and you have no conscience about it. This ain't gonna work. It's just not gonna work. You know, I I can't in good faith. Why? Because I wonder if that was me and my three babies, my wife sitting in a a situation where in four days, I'm not gonna have a place to live and where I thought I was going, I can't go anymore. How would I feel? How would you feel? You know what Tinder says? I can feel you. Like, I, I, I don't know exactly what you're going through. Please never say that. Please write it down. Words of mass destruction. Here's a say, phrase to never say to anybody is, I know how you feel. Please never use that. That'll never comfort a soul. Because the truth is you don't. We learned that in autism. Autism has a, a wide spectrum, right? You got high functioning, low functioning. You got mid, there's just really no autistic kid that's the same. Am I right, Sue? You work in this. They're just not the same. And so when a family comes in, they're like, yeah, we know what you're going through. And they're sitting having conversation. They're flying on planes. They're going to this. And, and I'm just like, you know what? I see your struggle and, and I know you're in a struggle, but you have no idea, right? And if I'm not careful, Jordan testified to this, it can make you mad, right? And, and, and you know what the Bible says? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you, from you with all malice. And if you're not careful, we, we forget the next verse, that we have to be kind and tenderhearted. Tenderhearted means, okay, you know what? Your bad might not be as bad as my bad and my mind, but your bad still your bad. And it feels bad to you and it's deep to you and it might be the worst you ever have and if the worst you ever have is still better than what I have, then I should celebrate the fact that God's grace and mercy is blessing you but I still should be open and compassionate about the fact that you're hurting right now and not try to compare. My fish does not have to be bigger than yours. Let's celebrate yours. My problem does not have to be bigger than yours. Let's pray with yours. Tender says I stay open and it's not about me. Matter of fact, can I please write this down? You cannot be tenderhearted and you cannot be compassionate if you have pride. (laughs) Right? It's just impossible. It says, this it then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. All right, um, can we pause right there? How many of you say it's hard to agree with certain people? Yeah, so agreeing doesn't mean we agree on what we believe. It just simply means that sometimes we agree to disagree without hating each other. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's okay to say, and don't, don't, it's how you say it. All right, sometimes it's okay to say, let's just agree to disagree on this and move forward. And you know, I don't want it to hurt our friendship. Are, are you okay with that? Let's move forward. Don't be like, let's just agree to disagree. I hate that when somebody does a little hand wave. That is never, body language 101. That is not somebody that likes you. That is not somebody that cares about, I don't know why I keep doing it. All right, but it's literally, somebody, that's a stop sign in your face. You know what that is? Shut up. You know, like, um, let's just put it. It's not far from what they did to salute Hitler. So don't do it to other people. I'm just being honest because it's not a good move. You know, it's just, hey, let's just agree to disagree. You know, like, we don't see eye to eye on this. We can move forward. I still love you. But maybe we don't need to talk about this any further right now. Let's make sure. Now, agreeing with each other doesn't mean that I have to put up with bad behavior. Doesn't mean that I have to say it's okay to treat me poorly. Doesn't mean that I have to pretend that what you did never happened. All right, does that make sense? All right, now we need to do a whole lesson on forgiveness. Forgiveness is not ignoring. Forgiveness is saying, okay, I'm not gonna let it trap us. However, it's not gonna stay the same. If you got that, say got it. All right, can I tell you this? We do not need a church that agrees with everything the world has to say or we will be in problems and in trouble. We do not need to be a church that doesn't take a stand fully on what God says about sexuality and gender. We do not need to be a church that doesn't stand fully on what God says about how we should get together with other believers. We don't need to be a church that compromises the truth of God. But we can say, this is what I believe. This is why I believe it. I'm not saying you're terrible for not believing. I'm just saying, hey, if you don't agree, let's not argue. Let's not fight. Because twice in the Bible, Paul writes to the people of his day, do not argue in vain and foolish arguments. Don't, they only turn into strife. It also says, don't throw your pearls, what you hold valuable in your life, which should be your morals and your standards. All right? We're not talking about the diamond you wear in your ring. When it says, don't throw your pearls in front of swine, he's saying, hey, don't take your morals and your standards and throw them out there in front of somebody who doesn't care. They'll just run over them and they'll turn around and hate you for it. Does that make sense? So can I tell you this? News flash. I I, I have kids come up to me all the time. I want your job. You can have it. You can have it. Go, you can have it right now. But the reality is this. I want you to understand that preaching is the easiest part of what we do, but it leads to the hardest part of what we do. Standing here and proclaiming God's truth, so easy. He wrote it. All you gotta do is be an interpreter of it. A studier, somebody that can get it out there. Now, is everybody called to preach? No. Some people get up and make no sense when they talk. They have a lot of knowledge, but they get too nervous and it doesn't come out. It's gotta be a calling in your life. Got it? Say got it. All right, but here's the truth. From the pulpit, you make enemies without even trying because you're preaching a truth that might go against the standard of which some people live. And if we ever get pride in the way, we will be angry at the people that tell us the truth. If you don't remember that or believe that, go back to your teenage years. How many of you had the parent that tried to raise you? Slip your hand up in the air. How many of you had good parents? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. How many of you ever said, you don't love me, I hate you, or I don't like your rules, or when I get older, or when I move out, how many of you ever did it? Raise your hand. All right, you know what that says? It's we don't like authority, am I right? There's a mom like yanking a daughter's hand up in the front row. Don't look, you might have to testify in court. All right, but here's the thing. Like we have these moments that we, we, we just don't like authority. You know, the only time you don't like authority is when you're going against it. And God's word has authority. And the only time you don't like God's word is when you're going against it. Truth? Yes. Is that in a loving way? Yes. Are we really saying, hey, you're rebellious in a nicer tone? Absolutely. All right, you know what the Bible says rebellion is? It's the equivalent of the sin of witchcraft. It's not just admitting that there's, it's not living as if there's no God, it's as living as if you're serving on the other team. Now get that in your mind. So, Understand we peel that back now. Now, can I, can I do this? And I know I'm, I wish I'd have done this second service, but I know I'm on video, but can I do this? How many of you can receive what was just said and say, okay, I can gauge some things in my life and realize that, okay, I can disagree and agree and do these things. How many of you can say, all right, you know what? There's some areas in my life. I might need to shore up on that. Would you slip your hand up in the air? Right. Okay. If I have came up in here and called y'all a bunch of thug rebellious jerks, you know, like you're rebellious and you're worshiping Satan. It says, you know, Saul lost his whole kingdom because he went to somebody that was a fortune teller. And the Bible says that if you're rebellious, then you're just like Saul and he's going to strip the kingdom from you. How many of you would shut me down so quick? Yeah, you won't even raise your hand right now, you liars. (laughs) The truth is, is what we can do is say, hey, if if we bucked authority, that's rebellion. And rebellion, in God's eyes, is as the sin of witchcraft. And I don't know anybody in here that came to church today to say Satan worshiper 101. Here I am. Nobody. You're not sitting here. You're not tuned in on a Sunday morning. Uh, Wherever you are, hospital, home, driving on the road. You're not tuned in because you hate God. You're tuned in because you want to grow. You want to know. You want to get better. And so the thing is, is I want you to get an understanding that children, teenagers, listen to me. When mom and dad are trying to teach you to live right and you are going against them, it's not a sign that you have bad parents. It's a sign that we have bad hearts. And we are naturally evil, naturally wicked. And Satan is trying to call you to his worship. So stop, go back to Ephesians 6 and honor your father and mother. So that your days can be what? Long. Now, by the way, can I say this? I've heard preachers preach. You're gonna add years to your life. What I believe the Bible is truly saying there is your life is actually gonna count. You live in rebellion, your life doesn't count. If we rebel against God, nothing you do is, is gonna matter, right? It's, it's not gonna, how many people are locked up behind bars right now because of decisions they made? Are they still making those decisions? Hopefully not. They're being corrected, but they'll lose years and decades of their life on a decision that they made. They'll lose the freedom to drive, the ability to vote, different freedoms that they could have off of a decision that they made. That decision could cost them time in their life. And I guarantee if we went into the jail, you will find a lot of people who really wanna change. You'll have some that pretend they wanna change so that they can get out and they'll go back. But you'll have some, how many of you are sitting right here that literally at some point of your life spent time in jail debating the fact that you don't wanna come back here? Yeah. And so that's a lot of people in our church today. How cool is that? And then then all of a sudden you say, hey, I'm gonna agree with God. You know what happened? Your pride got out of the way and you let God come in. All right, not only do we agree with each other, I going to move on. We're we're loving one another. Now now write this down and please don't forget it. Um, Anybody can say they love you, but actions show it. Um, If if you go to church, everybody's like, I love you, I love you, I love you. Um, But that doesn't mean they do. Um, you, 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 you date, I love you, I love you. love doesn't mean they do. Love comes out in actions indeed, right? Love comes out in words. Love comes out in the things that you do. Love is sacrificial. It's less of self and more of you. It, it, it's what do you think? What do you want? What do you want to do? You got it? So if we're loving one another, then we have no problem serving one another today. We have no problem walking around. Like literally, I never put a car in trunk or treat. Although 50 of you, I was told, are. How cool is that? Um, I never put a car in trunk or treat for two reasons. Number one, I'm going to spend a little bit of a time being a dad. I've got three kids. They're going to come. They're going to show up. I'm going to walk around with them and and my wife. Uh, We will chase Lincoln. I have no idea where he'll wind up, but we are going to have fun with our kids, right? All right. Uh, Number two, I want to walk around and make sure everybody else is okay. Yeah, I will spend all night tonight walking around, hey, how's it going, bragging on the cars, looking at the things, having fun, throwing up on the Tennessee stuff that somebody's going to bring, I know it's happening, and, and, and all these things, I, I just enjoy, do you need candy, do you need candy, do you need candy? You're going to get asked that a lot tonight. Um, and, and, and why is that? It's because love says, I would rather serve you than to say, look at me. We'd rather build you up than to look at you. Love says, I want everybody to win. I want everybody to get ahead in life. It's not saying I want everybody to win without participation. It's saying I want you to succeed at your highest level. Your aspirations. Aspirations are the hopes and dreams that you want to achieve. Someone that loves you says, what are they? How can I help you get there? Let's go. What are they? How can I help you get there? Let's go. If you love somebody in your life, then you are trying to help them achieve their aspirations. Then it goes on and it says, and working together with how many minds? One mind, and the one carries over, and one what? Okay, what what is our purpose? To love God and love others, and through the love of God and through the love of others to introduce them to the love of God and them grow. Our purpose is to bring other people to Jesus Christ, all right? If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Then let's get into the little short sermon that we have today. That's all introduction to this. You can't do any of that unless the next two verses are in check. Ready? Here we go. Write it down. Don't be selfish. Do I have to explain that? Anybody know somebody that can model that? No, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Don't be selfish. Look at number two. Don't try to impress others. You know, like I think a lot of my white life has been wasted trying to be impressive instead of letting God leave an impression. Like if God has impressed your life, you don't have to impress other people. Because it's not about what you think about me. My mind says, what do you know about him? All right, go on. It says, here it is. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Here, we're about to get a glimpse, ready? This is the how. We're gonna come back to those two verses, but let's just read through uh, down to verse number 11 real quick though he was god he did not think of in it, it, as Equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue to declare that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if you go back four times, we see the word humble. Now, I, I I want you to see what humble does. Ready? Write this down real quick. Let's go back real quick. Number one, it says, though he was God, he was God. There's no question he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. In other words, he said, I am here above all, omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing. I got it all, but I'm not gonna cling to this because you are here and you're not a savior. You're not a helper. You're not a leader. You're not a manager. You're not a boss. If you stay here and let other people stay here, you do not care about other people if you can elevate yourself and not care about the other ones that are not being elevated. A a true leader says, I am here and I want you here with me. I've got five agents on my team and it's growing. And I tell them all the time, in three years, you will no longer need me. You say, that's a terrible way to build a team. No, I tell them all the time. What I'm going to do is over the next three years, show you everything I do in real estate. I'm not gonna keep any secrets. I'm not gonna hold back any any kind of processes and I'm not gonna hold back the expense. I'm gonna show you everything that I can do so that in three years, if you want to, you can go be your own boss. I do not wanna lord over you. I wanna grow your business. you know what I've seen? A culture built among those agents that all I have to do is send out a text and say, hey, I can't get to this house today. And they'll drive an hour just to open a door for me. You say, well, how did you do it? It's not something I'm trying to do. It's the attitude of, if I try to keep you beneath me, at some point, you'll get tired of being the rug. Can I tell you this? Husbands, listen to me. At some point, your wife's going to get sick of getting the crap off your boot. Now, at some point, they got to be more than just where you wipe the day on. At some point, they got to be more than we, my wife made a statement to me yesterday and, and she's in the service and I'm going to say it anyway. Um, we got family photos tomorrow. I'm not going to go into this whole thing, but you know, that, that's a big deal. How many of you ladies love your family photos? Would you slip your fa- hands up? All right, they're a big deal, right? How many of you men love your family photos? Okay, there's only six liars in the room today. No, I'm just kidding. I got it. They do. They do. All right. You know what I love about that is Jedediah. Jedediah is like, yes. Number one, he recognizes himself. How old are you, Jedediah? Nine. He's a man, right? Josh didn't even raise his hand. <laughs> and Jedediah is like, I love these things. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Keep going. All right. So I'm all like, what am I wearing? When do I have to be there? I can smile. Let's go. How long is this going to take? Right? You know what I'm saying is let's get this over with. All right, but, so the outfit matters in a family photo. Yes or no? you photographer? There's other photographers in the room? Yes. All right, is Brandy up there with you? No. Does the outfit matter though? Yes, he does a lot of photo edits. Here's the thing, listen. Sean, um, I'm sure you do too. It doesn't matter to me. It matters to her. And part of the outfit didn't come in. Her outfit. And so yesterday, she got down. And I'm the man that doesn't know how to handle down. Some of you stop shaking your head at me, Sandy. I'm not who who can I look at? Look at you, Jake. Right? I don't know how to handle down. You know how I handle down is get up. Let me get you up. And I made the statement, what can I do to make you happy? And you know what she said? Make me feel beautiful. Isn't that what you said? I was like, "Dang, I'm gonna go do the dishes." <laughs> That's literally what it is. Am I right? Like, I'm, I, I'm, you know, yeah. Like, what'd you, what'd you say? The one time, first time in a long, actually, you know, it was the first time in a long time because I literally was loading the dishwasher, thinking, "Where does this go?" And then I was like, "I've never seen this dish before." <laughs> like, and then some of them, I was reading the bottom, like, "Can I even put this in there?" And it's like, "Oh man, I shouldn't have done dishes. Now I got a hand wash." You know, I got halfway through doing the dishes and I realized what the long stick with the brushes on the end of it actually was for. <laughs> After I got my hand stuck in three cups, I realized that's what it's for. That's how bad at doing dishes I am. Chessa, stop judging. All right, here we go. <laughs> her mouth drops, she, look at her. Like, get right with God, Chessa. All right, here we go. understand this, listen. In that moment, that statement, make me feel beautiful. Ooh, that's not a good one. And, and I'm exposing myself here. You know what that actually is saying? I don't. You're not. All right, you, you, you with me? That that's, that's a very difficult place to be because in here, as we're looking at this and, and we're, we're, we're saying, hey, we're not gonna hold to this oh, I do this and I do this, it means, hey, this is what actually matters. And so if I'm up here trying to be a provider, but I'm not down here meeting the needs of the emotional state and mental state of my family, then what I do in provision doesn't matter. Does that make sense? What good is it to be a savior without having anybody to save? What good is it to be a Lord without having anybody at your throne? And Though he was God, he said, hey, This is worthless. Unless they can actually be here, I don't want to be here. Isn't that a cool sign? Unless I can get them to where I am, this is worthless. So he did not cling to that. He said, I'm leaving this so I can go there so that where they are, they can come to where I am. Now understand this. Pride says, look at where I am. Humility says, where are you? And how can I use where I am to get you to where you need to be? How can we take you from where you are and elevate you up? Can I tell you this right now? There are some of you in the room today that do not know how you're gonna pay your bills at the end of this week. And that breaks our hearts. There are some of you in the room today that have more than enough to pay your bills at the end of the week. Now, I want you to understand something. God has blessed you. Look for somebody that might not be where you are. And be a blessing. Some of you have food that's in abundance. Some of you don't. Some of you have friends that are, you you, you got get togethers every Friday and somebody's sitting at Friday wishing they had somebody to get together with. We're about to go into the most exciting season of the year, the holiday season, right? To some. But we're actually going into suicide season. And over the next two months, more people in the world will kill themselves than any other time of year, the next two months. Three actually. And as we look at that, we got to realize that while you're going to Dollywood and while you're celebrating Christmas and while you're decorating your tree, there's families out there that are feeling like total failures because they can't provide anything for their kids. And that's why we'll have an angel tree. And that's why you'll be able to buy gifts for people. And that's why you'll be able to jump in and help. That's why we're giving out Thanksgiving baskets. That's why we're having trunk or treat. That's why we've got the high school and we're trying to do dinner. Why? So that no family has to look at their kids and feel like they can't. Because we say, hey, I've been blessed. My kids don't need 20 gifts. Let me take and give half of those to somebody else. Are you with me? Can you say, but then my kids will be disappointed. I'll tell you right now, you will fail your kids by giving them everything they want, but you will never fail them by teaching them how to care for other people. Let them be a part of the process. Say, hey, we're going to give you a few, but we're also going to give Johnny and Debbie a few too. We're going we're to give it away. And we're not going to take your junk we're not going to take the toys that are missing the parts and the pieces and give those away. You are going to go shopping and you're going to tell me what you want in the store today. But you're not going to get what we buy. You're going to be excited about it, yes. You're going to want that Barbie dream house, but we're going to buy it. If you want to buy it, we're going to buy it for somebody else. You say, well, I can't afford to do that. I'm not saying that. That's what you. What I'm saying is look at where you are. Pride says, look at me. You know, humility says, thank you, God, for here. So let's get over here and help somebody. He did not look at that throne and say, look at me. He got from his throne and said, look at them. I got to get to them. Now what it says, look at this. Instead, he gave it up, his divine privileges. Now, I firmly do believe that there were certain things when Jesus became human that he surrendered. I, I do believe that there were moments that he had to take We're, you know, if you're sitting in heaven, do you think you have total confidence and and total faith? Yes. Uh, Do you think when you're sitting in the garden of Gethsemane, that faith and confidence gets shaken? Yes. And Jesus proved that. Anxiety and blood coming out of his sweat because he didn't know what to do, begging God to go a different way. You know what I love about Gethsemane? It shows me that my prayer life isn't psychopath. That my prayer life can be just like Jesus when I don't know what to do and don't like what's in front of me. And I can say, God, can we go another way, but not my will, yours. That when I feel alone, I'm not a psychopath. I, I, I can get up and say, hey, why are you sleeping? This is my worst hour. I need you to care about me and be just like Jesus. I can be needy of my friends and be like Jesus. But the truth is I can't stay needy of my friends. I love it. He got up and they were asleep. It hurt him. Hey, this is my darkest hour. I just asked you, could you not just stay awake? I'll be right back. I gotta go pray. Got back to God, right? How many of you understand this? That there's a process of saying, hey, I can be like God and still have bad days. It doesn't mean I have to have bad behaviors. He gave up divine privileges. As a matter of fact, how many of you know the verse that the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head? The King of Heaven had nowhere to sleep on earth. What a, what a word. What a humility thing. And it says, He took a humble position of a slave, was born to a human being. And when He appeared in human form, He humbled Himself. Here it is, in what? Obedience to God. He died a criminal's death on a cross. You know what Jesus could have said at the end of verse number eight? This isn't fair. Because you know what he did say? This is worth it. You know what the Bible says? Therefore, therefore is when God steps in. Here's the premise, behave like this, obey God. Humble yourself, serve other people. Don't think of yourself as better than you actually are. That's what Paul said. I can give you all kinds of verses on this and and Proverbs on this, and I'm running out of time, so I'm trying to blow through this, but understand this, like he's saying, hey, don't think of yourself as better than you are. Don't exalt yourself, and don't do these things. If you'll do this, then what's the next verse said? Therefore, God exalted him. You know, isn't that what the Bible says? Those that humble themselves, the Lord will exalt. But those that exalt themselves, guess what God will do? He'll humble you. I think our pride and ego have gotten in the way. So go back to verse number three, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. One of the things I try to remind myself every time I step on the stage, one of the things I try to remind myself every time I'm on a screen with my team is that many of you are smarter than me. And I don't mean that in a false humility. I mean it very real. My wife is a genius compared to me. You know, it can work circles around me. You know, why do you agree with that, Sandy? You and Chessa need to check out. <laughs> but it's true, right? She's a genius. No, she's a genius compared to me. Yeah, it's, Sometimes it's very humbling to realize before you take a stage that God, of all the people that should be on the stage today, it shouldn't be me. But I'm thankful you put me up here. And I'm going to pour my heart out. You know, it's easy to pour your heart out when your heart isn't hard. When you when you got pride in your life, your heart is hard to the needs of others. And you think you need to listen to me. You know, I, I learn a lot from listening to y'all. Have y'all noticed that a lot in my sermons I say, I heard this, I read this, this was somewhere else? You know, um, there's a, a study that Garrett does, uh, and, and I, I, I do it too, on how to study the Bible. And I always start it with, a professor taught me this in college. You know, it used to, when I first started pastoring, I thought every sermon had to be 100% mine. Like every word had to come from me, and I had to stand up here and be impressive. And, and so you know what that led me to do? Lie. It led me to put on a mask and pretend that I was smart enough to think of some of the things that I gave. The statistics that came up, oh, look at me and look at me. You know what? It is not a sign of weakness to say I need other people and I'm thankful for the people that God has put me in my life. Humility says, hey, listen, you know, I don't want you to think that today your pastor is above you. He's not, he's human just like you. I, the difference between me and you today is God put me five stairs higher. And if that's the thing that qualifies me, look how many people are better than me in the balcony right? The thing is, is there's no difference. The thing is I'm seeking God and so are you. I want God and so do you. I want to grow and so do you. I'm not perfect and neither are you. We need a savior. We need a Lord. We need a leader. We need a guide. And today we're not here to say, look how good grace is and look how good Josh is. We're here to say, look how bad we are, but God loves us anyway. And anybody can play on that team. Anybody can be in that family. That some of you sitting in this room, by God's grace, will preach sermons someday that will run circles around anything that I've ever been able to preach. And if that happens, thank God for it. Because all we're here to do is say, hey, I'm a vessel that has the same power and spirit of God living in me that you have living in you. And I'd love to see the God in you come out through the abilities that God has given you. What a change that would be. All right, I want you to write these down and we're out the door. I got two minutes, ready? Humility means this. Number one, I'm teachable, teachable. Um, I went to a conference on real estate, believe it or not, this past week. Um, And and it's not the typical kind of conferences. I know y'all see some and I hate when they do this where people go to conferences and they're all chanting and jumping up and down and all this, this literally, and you can ask my wife, you go to class at 7.30 in the morning, it starts. It literally starts. That's not when you get up. It starts. I I think I got done each night around 8 or 9 o'clock. That's including meals. And then by the time you get done talking to people and pouring into other agents, you're making your way back to your bedroom at 11 p.m. So it literally is from the time you get up to the time you get back. After three days of that, my mind is completely blown. The one thing that I love about this conference is I, I literally sat down at a table at this conference that had people that were making millions of dollars at it. I mean, this guy owns his own jet. The only way I know that is somebody else told me. He didn't. This guy over here is in Memphis, and he closes over 600 homes by himself every year, his team, 600. This guy over here closed 1,400 last year. And here I go, and I sit down at a table to eat lunch, and I am not the social butterfly, so I go to an empty table, sit down, and then they come, and they sit down around me. And then all of a sudden, from Cookville, the largest broker in, in Middle Tennessee comes and sits down beside me. She says, and her name's Amber Flynn Jarrett. I've told her she, she has a testimony of Jesus like nobody's ever heard. She sat down and she said, "Okay, I want you to tell me everything that's going on in your business." Boom. Okay, hey, look, this is what we do, and you'll listen to these people, and just, they'll ask about you. They're not sitting there saying, "This is what I did. This is what I did." They're like, "How's your business? How's your business structured? This is what you'll do." I'll never forget two years ago, I went and um, I didn't have an admin on my team. And I sat down at this conference and, and, and this guy said, you don't have an admin? You're closing how many? What? All of a sudden, the rest of the time, he didn't look at me. He just looked down. And he said, hey, how much are you spending in leads? How much are you this? How much are you that? How much are you this? How much are you that? And I said, boom. He said, that's how much you cost yourself this year by not hiring somebody else. You know what he said after that? Get over yourself and give somebody a job. And I like, I didn't think I was being prideful. And he said, You absolutely are. You don't think anybody can do it like you. You don't trust anybody with your business. Somebody out there is eager to get in, and you have the financial ability to give them a job, provide for their family, and through that, it will multiply you. And you would have made this much more. And this much more is five times what it would have cost you to pay somebody a salary for one year. Get over yourself. So, you know what I did? I came home, and what did we do? We hired an admin. You know what? It has changed our business. It has helped us tremendously. You say, what happens? You need the person that's sitting at the table. That's not saying I'm too good to talk to you, but literally looking at you saying, I'm going to treat you as if you were me. This is what you need to do. You know what? I think the church is missing that we come in and we want to be like, look at how much I know about God to somebody who knows nothing. Look at how close to God I am to someone who doesn't know how to get close. And in a physical world, when we're talking about real estate, that's easy. I can look at numbers. Those are physical. Those are tangible. But we're talking about a spiritual God that they've never seen other than in his attributes. And yet we want to act like, hey, be like me and God will use your life. No, no, no. Sit at the table and stop thinking about where you are and start thinking about where they are and minister right there to the need. And if today they're not ready to hear about Jesus Christ, then love them where they are. Don't shut it down. You say, but what if you die when you leave this table? Yes, that's a reality. But I'm telling you now, I think a lot of people are gonna go to hell because they were scared to Jesus instead of knowing the love of Jesus. They're gonna go to churches where they were terrified of burning in hell and they didn't understand God's salvation and they thought if they prayed a prayer and hit their knees, they'd go to heaven and they're gonna hear, depart from me, I never knew you because nobody ever told them. It's not about where you're going for eternity. It's about having a relationship with a God that's madly in love with you. And I am thankful today that I didn't get saved knowing everything I needed to know about Jesus. I am thankful today that ignorantly I came to Christ. Ignorantly, he took me and from there built me and made me. I'm thankful for a humble savior who could love someone like me. And humility says, I can love you too. Be teachable, be hungry. Humility says, hey, I want more. I wanna know more. How many of you in here know everything about God you could ever know? Anybody in here say, you know what? What I know about God is so good. How many of you say, I want to know more? How many of you have been used by God? How many of you say, I want to be used more? Not for names and lights, but for the glory of Christ. For the glory of God, be hungry. Oh, here it is, number three, be patient. Humility says, God, I'll wait on you. I'll trust you. Humility says, I'll wait on somebody else. True story about our family? I am psycho about being on time. Psycho. Jordan? All right. Jordan has contracted the Holy Spirit and made an agreement that they would work together to make me patient. Is that a good way of saying that? I'm the one saying, baby, we gotta go. And she's like, I'm not repeating that. She said, I'm not that nice. I'm like, Jordan, get in the car. Jordan, I'm in the car. I'm loading the kids. Jordan, we're backing out. You close the garage when you come out. All these motivational speeches. You know what? They do not work. You know? Jordan says, I'm on time. And she is. She'll walk in. If, it's, if it starts at 10, she has no problem walking in at 10. Meanwhile, they're having to, you know, shock my heart back into beep. Get me back going, because if I am not 30 minutes to an hour early, I freak. Yeah, that's just who we are. All right, so can I tell you this? Um, I probably need to be a little bit more humble in my relationship. And she needs to get ready faster. All right, here we go, ready? (laughs) Number four, be persistent. Hey, a humble person says, I don't give up. I don't give up. Can I please understand this? A lot of the people you're going to minister to are going to be difficult. That's why you're ministering to them. A lot of the people we minister to are going to be going through hard things. That's why we're ministering to them. Be persistent. Saying, I'm going to love you through this. We're going to get through this. And and I don't mean this in in a a bad way. And I know she is a very humble person and will not like this. But that lady on the back row right there means a lot to me, Miss Marilyn. A lot to me. Um, she has gone through some tragedy in her life, right? Strong woman sitting back there. She would not tell you that. She doesn't feel that, am I right? But she is. She'll sit through our youth group and love on them the whole time breaking her heart. Showed up for a funeral of a lady who lost her daughter just a few weeks ago. Having gone through, right in the front row, right in front of that, people that have gone through the same. Sitting up there, one of the strongest couples I know, Betty and Burrell, sitting right there. These people mean a lot to me. Not, not saying you don't, but one of the things I know is Marilyn has texted me at times saying, Josh, I can't do this. I can't do such and such, A, B, C. It's too hard for me. You know, one of the things is, is in your mind, sometimes you wanna be like, but you have to. But do we ever do that? No. We'll say, hey, put yourself out there. But I'll never say, you need to go to this. You have to go to this. Why? Because you know what? Like, hey, listen, if you push somebody, all right, get this, get it through your mind. You say, well, I'm a motivator. I'm a this, I'm a drill sergeant. I'm gonna get them to learn. I I promise you, pushing people to success will eventually push them over, right? And when somebody's getting through healing and somebody's doing that, you you gotta be persistent. Persistence says, we will go at your pace, but we'll still go. She shook her head, yes, we still say, Marilyn, I think this would be good for you. But when Marilyn tells me no, do I ever make you? No, never will. We'll go at your pace. We'll do this together. We'll make it happen, but I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Hey, listen to me. Those of you that have addicts as family members and friends, be persistent. Don't give up. Humility says, okay, you're not ready today, but I'm still here today. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. Okay, you're not ready to hear this, but I'm going to keep planning and I'm going to leave it. Humble says, we're going to go at the pace necessary, right? All right, number, number five, write this one down, be responsible. Now I'm going to have to close this down. If you want to, if you want to finish the sermon, we'll do it next. One. Be responsible. You know what that means? Don't blame others. Take responsibility. Don't say this is your fault. No, that was my bad. We fail because of me. Humble says, I don't have any problem taking responsibility for myself. And then lastly, be empathetic. Now, is there a difference between sympathy and empathy? Yes. We'll close with this one today. Sympathy says, okay, I see what you're going through. I recognize it. I want you to know I see you. I notice it. Empathy says, I feel you. That's the compassion and tenderness, right? If I was in your position, my heart would be devastated. And because I love you, I'm hurting right now. But you know what I see a lot of Christians do? They make empathy all about them. Somebody else loses a family member and then they start posting online as if it was their best friend. You know, and I I, literally, it's a pet peeve of mine. When I know that that person had really nothing to do with that person and they're acting like they lost their best friend, it's like, get over yourself. It is not about you, it's about them. Empathy says we are always thinking in our minds that it's about where the other person is mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. We are thinking about where they are and we're going to meet them there with a compassion that says you are not alone. We're not telling the lady who's mad at her husband to get a divorce. We're saying, hey, let's get in here and figure out what's going on. I'm here if y'all need to talk. We're not telling this. We're not just giving easy answers and throwing things out. Band-Aids, we are actually doing what needs to be done to reach the need of somebody around us. I'm telling you right now, we need a church in the last days who is humble. Not walking around arrogant. I'm a child of God, but Yeah, I'm a child of God. I want you to be a child of God too. But I'm telling you now, people in the name of being children of God are sending people to hell. And it's gotta change. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. Together we can create something great.